When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hook them up with E and Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on the Horn. Can I kick it? Can I kick it? Can I kick it? Fabulous fifth hour. Ty always with the, uh, an interesting selection. That is a cover of uh, a classic. What's who is that there, Ty? This is a tribe called Quest. Can I kick it? Yeah, okay. an original with the great uh, the great riff there. All right, so it got me. Uh, there was a, a conversation here that I was reading, Rod, of all the the, the, the vote on the greatest all time cover songs, greatest all time cover songs. Oh, in music. Um, that's hurt. Good. Johnny Cash, good Nine Inch Nails cover. That's probably my favorite. Okay, okay. I think uh, "Killing Me Softly" is probably in there. "Killing Me Softly" is always covered really well. Been pretty good. Throughout okay, the let me list. see if I can find. I gotta find this now. Um, I had the whole list up. Where did also, it go? So I throw. Oh man, that's good. Best covers. Mm, that's good. There it is. Uh, the vote. This is uh, avclub.com put together a list of the 25 best cover songs of all time. Number one is uh, Jimi Hendrix "All Along the Watchtower." Okay. Originally a Bob Dylan song. Is "Creep" in there? "Creep" is. Cover pretty good. Uh, no, okay. not on this. This is the top ten. Uh, Prince wrote "Nothing Compares to You" and then covered by Sinead O'Connor, the now late Sinead O'Connor. Um, uh, "Respect" by Aretha Franklin was originally an Otis Redding song. Mm-hmm. Um, "Without You" by Harry Nilsson, uh, Badfinger. Um, "Whiskey River." Eric Rains is in with "Whiskey River." Mm, okay. Nice. Uh, that's that's Willie Nelson, good, but covering who? I don't know if I, I don't know if I'm into any of these covers necessarily. Okay, I will yeah. always love you, I Whitney Houston. You. Whitney that's Houston, good. of course, the Dolly Parton original. Yeah, that's good. That's a good one. That's a classic. Hard to cover that one though. After Whitney did it, it's it's you know covers. No, Dolly did it originally. I know. My point is Whitney did it better. Yo, yeah. It's hard for usually the it's you know sometimes the covers are better than the originals. That's one where the cover is better than the original. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what you're talking about here, right? Covers better than the originals? Well, when, when Whitney, is yeah. what we're talking about here? Um, are we just talking about co- songs that are covered a lot? Top list of the best cover songs of all time. So, so the ones that are covers that are probably better. Mo- they're probably known, known more from then, the second version than the original. So they're better, yeah, they're better known than the original. They're considered better, yeah. yeah I think so. a lot of people wouldn't know that uh, Nothing Compares to You, Shane O'Connor, was a Prince song originally, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Respect by Aretha Franklin, originally Otis Redding. How about this one? Walk This Way, Run DMC, originally Aerosmith. That actually would surprise some people. Uh, me and my Bobby McGee is number nine. That's Janis Joplin originally. Christopherson. When, re- when they redid Walk This Way with Run DMC. And but but Aerosmith was, was in it. <laughs> right? They were a part of it, at least in the video part. It's interesting. Uh, Rolling Stones, I Can't Get No Satisfaction, which is an all-time classic. That was originally a Devo song. Hmm. Yeah. So we'll run okay. through some of those. Yeah. I think it's – I think, uh, I think Bob, me and my Bobby McGee was – Chris Kershaw, wasn't that Roger Miller? Originally? No, it was Chris Christopherson originally. But it wasn't Roger Miller before Chris Christopherson? 
I don't believe so. I think he wrote that song and she she made it famous. I mean, how old is Chris um, Christopherson? He's an old guy. And he's still going. Well, Chris Bobby McGee was like the I mean, Ro- or sorry, Roger Miller was in like the 20s. I'll have to do some research on this one. Yeah, do that. But I don't think it was because I've always known where it's always been told to me that Chris Christopherson wrote that song and then she made it famous. Chris Christopherson is still going, is he not? Let me look here. Yeah, we're talking about most covers. So that's not most covers, it's just most popular. Yeah, best cover song. Cover songs. Okay, yeah, it was yeah. written by Chris Christopherson, originally performed by Roger Miller. Okay. Okay, she, he did it. He covered it first, and then Janis Joplin covered it. Is that what you're saying? Okay. It was good. written for Roger Miller, and then Janis Joplin covered it. Okay. Yeah, me and my Bobby McGee. Uh, he is 87 years old, Chris Christopherson, now. And still one of the most interesting people in the world. Uh, Brownsville, Texas, Chris Christopherson. The most interesting man in the world? One of them. <laughs> well, he was, US Army, he was in the U.S. Army. He's an Air Force major general. Uh, uh, and then he came back and became a songwriter. Uh, super, super, super smart. That is pretty badass. And, uh, you know, his, his paternal grandfather was an officer in the Swedish Army. But he's just a really, you know, super, super well-read and super smart guy. He's written some of the best songs ever. Uh, so, yeah, uh, we'll take your favorite cover song. Also, I'm going to ask you this, Rod. This is a little lighter. Uh, the movie Elf is 20 years old in our fabulous fifth hour. The movie Elf. Oh, no. What are they doing? Don't do it. Is that a, at all, a top 10 country uh, Christmas movie for you? It probably is. For, oh, top 10? Man, 10. Top 10. It, pro- it, might cra- it probably does crack the top 10 if you listen to them, but it doesn't crack my top five. I'm not an Elf fan, but I know a lot of people like Elf. I like Elf. I'm not a big Elf fan. It's okay. My kids loved Elf. And it's it, all right. It, and it makes sense because it's 20 years old now. And my youngest is 21, so as that movie came out, my kids were right in, like, those kind of movies. My, yeah. my oldest was five. I had a five, a three, and a one. And so they grew up watching that. So yeah. Elf was always one of their favorites. Yeah, that's not my top Christmas movies. It's prob- For me, it's probably you know, Christmas, Vacation. I'm probably um, – oh, man, I love the Christmas Story. Christmas Story is a Christmas kid. Story. Oh, yeah, yeah. Quality. yeah, Christmas Story is quality. That's on my Mount Rushmore of Christmas movies. Um, yeah, so the Elf is a little farther down than me. I'm not gonna lie. Even so, like, I'm a It's a Wonderful Life guy. Like, I'll go old school. Oh, you're it's old a school. Wonderful Life, man. Uh, Home um, Alone is Home Alone a Christmas movie for you? I would in a big say way? Home Alone is ahead of Elf for me. Yeah, me too. Yeah, it's ahead of Elf. Ty, me. now you're 25, so uh, you know if it's 20, you were right in that wheelhouse too. Are you a fan of Elf? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think I like Will. Will Ferrell is probably one of my favorite actors ever. So anything. Do you know that that wasn't supposed to be Will Ferrell? The 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 part was written for Jim Carrey and with Jim Carrey. Oh, uh, it'd have been just as good with Jim Carrey. Yes, it would. Might have been, might have been better <laughs> with Jim so Carrey. Talented. Honestly, I feel like he yes. fits, fits that character very well. I think I think Ty's right. It's a pro- it, it probably would have been better with Jim Carrey. No, not that Will Ferrell is awesome, but Jim Carrey is so re- freaking talented. Wacky. Yes, he is. <laughs> He is, but he, he now can do. I mean, he does drama really well too. He had a show on Showtime not too long ago. He was doing like yeah. some drama. He has really expanded his horizons as an actor. He has. Well, he he, really he was a, he's he's one of those guys, kind of like Robin Williams, that can really never turn it off. You know, it's just always I agree with that. He's, he's yeah. which means he's probably got some loose screws. Um, he he that's just him. But you know, one of my favorite Jim Carrey movies is Dumb and Dumber. Do you know if you go back, Dumb and Dumber is so funny. But Dumber and Dumber, Jim Carrey pulled off. He played the dumbest character as a dramatic role. Like, he played that to the part. Yeah, he played so like straight. Like, he didn't know he was dumb. He played it straight. Like, he, yeah. he thought he was smart. Yeah. <laughs> he, played, yeah. Played. he played like a straight man. I'm with you. It was, it, it was a good job. I didn't, I'm not a big Dumb and Dumber fan, but I could appreciate his, 
his role. That yeah. was my favorite movie as a, as a kid, was Dumb and Dumber. Really? Dumb yeah. and Dumber, really? Yes. I loved oh, man. I, I never got into that it. Movie. Not... It was good. I just never thought it was like an iconic, all-time great comedy for me. But for some people, it is. Like, it's on Mount Rushmore for some people. Yeah. That, that, that's really... not that for me, but it, yeah. that, I just love that because it wouldn't have been the movie it was if Jim Carrey had played it differently. He had to play his character as, as just as straight as he could. Well, he did the same thing in Cable Guy. Yeah, what, Lloyd Christmas. <laughs> yeah, Lloyd Christmas. But yeah, he, like, he like, awesome. like he didn't know he was dumb. He thought he was smart. Like he, yeah. he played it as he thought he was a normal guy. Yeah, that's what was so great about it. It is. <laughs> I'm with it. Like I thought Cable Guy still was like this, kind of creepy the way he played it. Like, but I'm with you. I think you're right on the Dumber and Dumber thing. But Jim Carrey, I can say, I think he's just overall talented. He, he hasn't. I mean, what's the last Jim Carrey movie? He's falling off the map, right? I think he – well, he did a show on Showtime, but that was the last thing I've seen him in in a long time. He's kind of stopped acting so much. Um, but man. Eventually, you make enough bread, you're like, I'm good. Yeah, and he's so – I mean, he can do whatever he wants to do. I, I read he's a story a just recently of Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson hadn't made a movie since 2010. And well, he, people, have, people, have, people have asked him, why aren't you doing anything? He's like, I don't know, because I don't want to do anything. Well, and he stopped coming out in public so much. Right? I used to go to all the Lakers games and stuff. He doesn't go to as many Lakers well, games. Well, that was either. the story was his buddy yeah. who he always sits with um, – Gosh, what's the guy that yeah. sits next to him on all those shows? Same seat all those games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And somebody recently they asked, "Hey, is Jack okay?" Everybody's worried he's not. He goes, "No, he's good. He's, he's just, just chilling." Want to be in public as much. Yeah, he said. Uh, he goes, "Why didn't he do anything?" He said, "Well, he." Well, I asked him what you did yesterday. He said, "I sat under a tree and read a book. <laughs> I didn't do anything." That is, and uh, Jack Nicholson is also one of the most interesting men in the world too. Yes, he is. Yes, actually, I mean, Lou Adler. Lou Adler's the guy he sits next to. And who is he? Why is he famous? He's a friend. He's a producer. He, okay. I think he produces records. Uh, oh, Lou okay. Adler's a big record producer. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, he said, he, he said a friend of mine wanted to put him in a movie. Jack said, I don't want to do it. You know what I did today, J- Lou? I sat under a tree and read a book. I know. No, Jack Nicholson, I'm saying he is – go back and look at the story of Jack Nicholson. And, you know, remember, he, he, he finds out – this is probably why he's always been single and always had an issue with relationships. Remember, he finds out that his mother was actually his sister. Remember, he, he, he is a, as a well-known actor. He didn't even know this. According to an investigative uh, journalist, an investigation that was conducted by Time magazine in 1974, it was uncovered that Nicholson's mother actually pretended to be a sister Ooh. in order to maintain her career and some other stuff that was going on. Um, Nicholson's mother, June, was only 17 years old when she gave birth, which was why his grandparents decided to act as his parents at the, at the time. And it was only after the demise of both his mother and grandmother that he found out the truth. Um, both grandmother and mother were deceased before this particular group of facts came out. Um, and then basically he was revealed. Actually, a, a reporter revealed it to him that they was like, hey, man, I've been doing some research and I think your sister's your mom. <laughs> I'm not making that up. That's. The guy go down, you can go read it, and a lot of people believe you're psychoanalyzing Jack Nicholson and about him being the ultimate bachelor and yeah. his, his feelings about relationships, that that's probably why at the heart of it all. Well, you know who else had that? That uh, Eric Clapton. <laughs> Eric Clapton grew up believing that his mother was actually his older sister because his mom was 16 when she had him, and then the grandparents, you know, Yeah, it's made... like old school way of yes, thinking. It's like, yes, no, you're too young yes. for this and teen pregnancy oh, and stuff man, like that. Eric, Eric Clapton's had a brutal life, but yeah, the great Eric Clapton – yeah, he grew up thinking that you know, he learned that that's his sister. Turns out to be his mom, and then his mom didn't want him. It's brutal. Oh man, totally brutal. I don't know yeah. how we get off on these. No, things, it, but it's, it's, a it's, fifth hour. it's a fifth hour. Uh, but no, this is. I mean, I trust me. I, I don't know why I went rabbit holing one day about Jack Nicholson, but that is cool. I found that out, and I was like, okay, that explains a lot. 
That, that explains it. It does, right? Yeah. Atta- <laughs> the attachment issues. Yes, exactly, right? And well, I told you with Eric Clapton. Then, of course, he fell in love with uh, George Harrison's wife, and he thought George Harrison's wife really loved him. Oh, that's and, brutal. And she told him he was gonna leave, she was going to leave George. I mean, this is when the Beatles are the Beatles. And George Harrison, she's going to leave him to go with him, Man. and she 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 stiffed Ooh. him. She stiffed him, and then he wrote that whole album with Derek and the with uh, Dwayne Allman. How's that Allman. not like a movie series? Uh, you know, it is. Like a, well, a if you see, there, there, there's a documentary called Life in Twelve Come Bars, on, and it's all about Eric Clapton's lived one hell of a of a life, man. And then of course became an alcoholic, and then uh, you know his his son, his four year old son, fell out of a window in New York City oh to God. his death, like just plummeted, like walked out the window. In a high rise. Oh God! When he was with that's him. Horrible. Oh yeah. Or <laughs> I think no. He, I don't I know if he was there. Oh man. Yeah, Eric Clapton. That's that's a that's a bad life. Yeah. Uh, but you know that's where some of the great art no, comes and, from. And unfortunately, they turn that pain and that tragedy and that heartbreak, and they end up turning it into something. Oh man, the Derek and the beautiful. Dominoes movie or movie uh, album. It, it's he and Dwayne Alban. It is cover to cover, and it's all Eric Clapton writing songs about her. Like uh, wow. Layla is is one of the main tracks that you would know, but every song is. It's amazing guitar playing because it's Dwayne Allman and it's mm-hmm. uh, Eric Clapton yeah. together on tape, <laughs> and then but the songs are just so heart wrenching, uh, and he's just so crushed, and uh, every song's about her. That's brutal. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, you know, I, it is it's obviously it's tragic when you hear stories like that of uh, these artists having to go through these really just heartbreaking, uh, catastrophic, devastating events in their life, and like artists. They turned them into art. Um, and, yeah, but, but you hear the story about Bobby Womack? Bobby oh. Womack was an art. He was kind of like that, too. I won't go deep into it because we're getting way too deep down the rabbit hole. But no, I love it. He was, a, he was a toxic artist and just had – he wrote songs about, like, some of the stuff that he went through and some of the stuff that he did. And people didn't really realize at the time that the song was about some of the – misdeeds and stuff they had going on and then ultimately uh, later on after people found out like man this guy was, this, was a mess. probably bad well, yeah. think about uh, somebody bad. we just mentioned with the great covers whitney houston whitney houston was, was exactly she had a ton of baggage that's exactly right and that's where the drugs Prime come example. from and of course you want to fill a hole with drugs and you know she wants you know it yeah. turns out she very well was in love with her best friend yeah a it, female and she couldn't yeah. be that person because it just wasn't publicly yeah. okay and so she gets with Bobby Brown, and then they get on drugs. Oh, and Bobby Brown. But think, about of the art, think of the art she created through Oh, yeah. I mean, she no, was a is. prodigy as far as musicians yeah. go, but still. So for, no. no, for Bobby Womack, I think, like, he showed up. If I'm not mistaken, Sam Cooke and him were really close fans. The, the Sam Cooke who passed away uh, as a at young, but he was a great soul artist. If I'm not mistaken, Bobby Womack showed up with his – like, they started dating his wife. <laughs> oh my god! Like, that is like yeah. I started like basically started dating Sam Cooke's like woman. Oh no! At the time, that kind of stuff. Yeah. All right, Chris Christopherson. Yeah. It says here was also a Rhodes Scholar. I had, I had known that. Yeah, he that's an interesting dude, Chris Christopherson. Uh, Jeff Daniels did Dumb and Dumber in the movie Speed in the same year, nineteen ninety four. He's an actor too. He's got he's got range. Well, Jeff, yeah, Jeff got, Daniels is going to do great he's dramatic got a ton of range. He's got a ton of range. The show Newsroom he did I thought was really good. It was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. good I like show. That. I remember watching that. Yeah, he's, he's a talented guy. Uh, all right, good stuff. There's some uh, off-topic fifth hour <laughs> ten, stuff. Yeah, it's 10 o'clock hour. You know what's going on. Hey, listen, <laughs> it's Wednesday. We'll get to some games coming up. Uh, one other note, this year's sexiest man alive is Patrick Dempsey of uh, Grey's Anatomy. Didn't uh, Someone said that Jason Kelsey was a finalist. Uh, Jason Kelsey, the brother of Travis? Yeah. That would have been good. Somebody said that he was a finalist. I was you like, kidding me? really? And if you ever listened to I'm his not, podcast so. with his brother and his wife gets on, his wife would have, that would have been the funniest thing. 
because uh, his wife, you know, she's great. She's very funny, but they, she gives him the, the business all the time. Uh, they, they're a cool couple. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. No, they, they actually – and he's got a one daughter, Jason Kelsey. He brings his daughter on the podcast. I know he may have enough. He's got one or two. But he brings the finalists were Pedro Pascal. So it wasn't Jason Kelsey? They just no, Timothy <clears throat> Chalamet. Oh, Timothy Chalamet. Usher, Jamie Foxx, Lenny Kravitz, and Jason Kelsey. So Jason Kelsey was on there. Yeah. I thought it was a joke, but then I saw People Magazine – like tagged, and I was like, well, why would they tag it if it's not real? So I, that's how you know that this goes to Ty's conspiracy theory that the Taylor Swift, you know, the Travis Kelsey relationship is just some big promotion, some marketing scheme. Because, yeah, the, his, the publicists are for the Kelsey family. They're working overtime now. They're, man, all, they're all over the place. That man isn't even close to the sexiest man alive. <laughs> hey, for some women, they may like a little husky. A little meat on the bones, man. Come on, man. He's a powerhouse. <laughs> <laughs> Who gets to decide that time? That's what people magazine like, think, I, right? I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm a heterosexual man, and I can look at a man and <laughs> tell you if they're good looking or not. Yeah, but as he's nowhere near will, any of those other guys on that list. I'm glad yeah, you but, can admit that. But if, you, but if he puts himself, he's vulnerable. If you ever listen to his podcast, he's, he's funny. funny. He's fun. funny. is big with women and sex. Funny Very doesn't funny. make you – no. It doesn't make you sexy. Makes you se- it might make girls yes, like it- you. It doesn't make you sexy. I disagree, man. I think funny makes you sexy, and having money makes you sexy. And having a, a huge talent. Yes. Huge look, talent. Look at Jay-Z. looks like <laughs> Joe Camel, yet he's got Beyonce because he's got money and talent. So I, I, don't, I don't think women are as shallow as we are. They are shallow. We all are. But I don't think they're as shallow as men are. Like men, like a woman, look like this. This is the difference, right? If a woman will date a man, like it was, you know, basically she's out, she's he's out kicking his coverage. If he's got more to bring to the table, more to offer, right? A great job, that kind of stuff, right? He's funny, that kind of stuff. Men, we're pretty shallow, um, which is why when you try to fix a guy up with a woman, what's the first question he asks about that woman? She hot. Is she hot, man? Is she hot? I need to know she hot. The woman's question, you could argue she's shallow too. Her first question is, what, what kind of job does he have? <laughs> Where does he work? What kind of job does well, he I have? Do so they're shallow for different reasons, but I, we're shallow from the superficial well, standpoint of Well, looks. I do think research would tell you that for, for, even, for both sexes, there's, a, there's initial attraction. There's either a spark or not. And for women, it's different than men, right? Men are going to go for the looks immediately. But even the female's got to be, like, on first meeting, attracted. Yeah, I mean, somewhat, yeah. Because yeah, even women will, like – Nah, not for me. Uh, they'll turn it off pretty quick. But it's not always for the same reasons as guys, obviously. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, all right, so this says uh, – no, this is good. Uh, Whitney, guys, was already into drugs long before Bobby. That is true, actually, when you think about it. That, that yeah, she but, actually got Bobby on the drugs. Yeah, but you had two addictive personalities that got together. And then that toxicity sent them into a downward spiral. It's oh, just, they were terrible together. Yes, they, they, they were bad together. You, and it, separately, they were awesome, and they had their own issues. But then they got together, then you combined their addictive personalities, and they just went down. Yeah. So, yeah, she was doing drugs before that, but she did not do – she wasn't doing extreme amounts of drugs that she was doing with Bobby. No. They, they, <laughs> it became steroids, right? Yeah, they, exactly. She, it took but she was level. already trying to fill a hole. Uh, yes. That was pretty clear. Yeah. She says, come on, guys. Uh, Chris Christopherson's best role – all time was Shake Tiller in Semi-Tough by the great Dan Jenkins. Burt Reynolds was Billy Clyde Puckett uh, my for, the, time. for the New York football Giants. Well, Dan Jenkins is a great old, uh, sports writer, uh, wrote the book um, Semi-Tough. And Chris Christopherson is 90 years old now, so anything he did you know, was back in the day. Um, <laughs> Somebody sent me this. It said, Rod, you brought up Bobby Womack and how toxic he was. Listen to this. Uh, on February 26, 1965, 77 days after Sam Cooke's death, 
20-year-old Womack and Sam Cook's widow, Barbara Cook, who was 10 years his senior, attempted to marry at the L.A. County Courthouse. Oh, damn. Bobby Womack wore one of Sam Cook's suits to the courthouse, and oh. the media was present to record the event, but their application was rejected by the L.A. County Court. According to the L.A. Sentinel, it was denied because Womack was under 21 years old and did not have his parents' permission to get married. They were finally married March 5th, the day after his 21st birthday. The marriage was considered a scandal by most in the music business, and Womack found himself ostracized by the soul music world for his dirty deeds towards Sam Cooke. Womack's brothers turned against him, as did his audience and disc jockeys, for doing Sam Cooke so dirty because prior to that, him and Sam Cooke were considered BFFs. Dang. Isn't that he crazy? tried to marry his lady in his own suit. <laughs> in his own suit. Damn. Dude, tried to take it to the courthouse in his suit. How tr- how trifling is that? I think the guys are petty today. Damn. Uh, how about this? I'm uh, assuming he said, hey, babe, I don't have a suit. And he said, well, just wear one of Sam's. <laughs> <laughs> that is you so guys are the same size. That's crazy. How about this? Uh, uh, Sam Cook's brothers were so upset. Uh, his brothers, Charles and David Cook, broke Bobby Womack's jaw. Uh, during a confrontation at, at a hotel in Chicago, Womack later claimed he initially went to Barbara's side to console her following Cook's death for fear that if she were left alone, she would do something crazy. And then, obviously, the, yeah, the romance wife, The wife can't off. be let out of this, too. She sounds wow. kind of crazy herself. That, isn't uh, that crazy? That is crazy. Hey, somebody oh, said. Oh, how about this? Uh, more, more. Womack and Barbara separated after she discovered Bobby Womack was having an affair with his 17-year-old stepdaughter, Linda Cook. <laughs> this dude is, come on, man. Do you believe this? This is real. So they broke up after he was having an affair with his stepdaughter, 17 years old. Oh, in the ensuing tussle, Barbara fired a gun at her husband and the bullet grazed his head. Their divorce was finalized and Linda never spoke uh, to her mother Hold again. On. He basically broke up a mom and his and her daughter. They never spoke again. Hold on. So, wait, this, was this Sam Cooke's daughter? I said I did that. I don't. I gotta gotta go do some more research. I gotta go down the rabbit hole. Well, listen, if, if if she's ten years older than him, and they get together, and that's her yes, daughter, uh, Linda Woke is the eldest child of Barbara Campbell and Sam Cooke. So, yes, that is Sam Cooke. So he banged Sam Cooke's wife after Sam Cooke died, wore Sam Cooke's suit to try to, remar- to, try to marry Sam Cooke's uh, ex-wife, uh, widow, and, and then up he the started daughter. banging the daughter while married to the ex-wife. You met a man more toxic and trifling than Bobby Womack? No. I think not. No. I think not. I don't think so. <laughs> this guy. Just, unbelievable. That is unreal. Wow. It says, guys, I fell in love with my wife because of her ass. Well, you know, that could happen. We all have our reasons. Right, well, hell yeah, you Glad should. Good married. for you. You're damn right. It's an important asset. <laughs> it is an important asset. <laughs> all right, we'll be back. Wow. Uh, we'll go back to sports. Rod will take us behind the burn orange curtain. Ty will no, have some. We're talking more Bobby Womack when we get back, <laughs> Sex <man>. Panther picks. <laughs> Coming up uh, <laughs> with what's popping before the end of the hour, the fabulous fifth hour. You never know. On Hook 'em Up with Ian Rodby. Aaron Hogan. You just got to keep living, man. Rod Babers. L I V I N. Ian Rod B. On the horn. I'm the best friend he's got. Giving <laughs> the shirt off my back. Oh, that's Bobby Womack. Yeah. <laughs> Friends like that, who needs enemies? Wish you didn't trust me so much. Wow. Hey, 
much. He wrote a song about it. I think he really trusts me too much, man. That's true. <laughs> that is true. I mean, have y'all ever heard how trifling? I don't think y'all ever heard how trifling uh, Bobby Womack was. So now y'all know. Now y'all know. That was a scumbag. That was a world-class scumbag, man. Uh, and that's it. And then wrote music about it. He did all that trifling stuff. He didn't decide, you know what? I'm going to write some songs about this. Gotta get there. I get, it's cathartic, therapeutic. I get it off my chest. I love that. Oh, uh, this says, guys, there's a huge misconception about women and men. Women are actually more picky about appearance. Women only rate one in five men as better than average. Men, on the other hand, rated 50% of women as better than average. Well, it's because we have lower standards, kind of like, you know what I mean? Like, guys, <laughs> I think that's what it's about. It's about the standards. But I don't know. I think I see more. I think my experience is women have been, a- been able to look at other qualities that they find attractive other than the physical. And most of the men I know, they're hyper-focused on the physical qualities and less focused on the intangibles and immeasurables within a person. Sure, especially at the beginning, right? But then yes. when it started, we started to yes. settle down, uh, yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. They, they, but they've done, because of all the uh, dating apps and all the uh, you know, dating sites and oh, yeah. you know, matching up, match-up services, they've done all the research. Space age now. Like, there's, there's like, good research out there that women – <laughs> to the to the texter's point on these dating sites uh, you know they're they're all looking for a guy who's over 6 foot tall who's makes x you know over $100,000 that's very true uh he's single of course got to be single uh and you go through this list and it whittles them down and they're like 7% of the population it's like, yeah, you're you're swimming in a pretty shallow pool here, y'all. You might want to open your open your mind a little bit. Do <laughs> yeah. you're willing to go out with and that's what true. you're looking for? Well, no, if that's the case, because I always describe Cowboys fans like this about Dak, right? Um, and honestly, you can apply it to Jada Pinkett, Jada Pinkett Smith, right now with Will's. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously, and six one since that matters, and. What do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Smith and her, and they've been, what, separated since 2017 or whatever. And Chris Rock has a great bit about this. He says, if, you, if your wife is constantly nagging you, and your wife is always in a bad mood, and she just—it feels like, like she's always attacking you, all right. And it feels like she's always on your, like, just on your ass, just you know what I mean. And she's never really relenting. He said it's probably one main reason for it, and he says you're not her first choice, and she's, <laughs> and she's a little bit upset with herself for having to settle for you. That's he said. And, and Cowboys fans, I feel the same way about them and Dak. That's why they always question Dak. Even Dak's a good quarterback. But the Cowboys fans believe they settled for Dak. They never had the prince that was promised. He was a fourth-round pick. He was never supposed to be a franchise quarterback. Tony Romo was never supposed to be a franchise quarterback. So Cowboys fans think they settled. They always feel like, man, I could have done better. I should have done better. All right? You're, and that's basically how I describe Jada, Jada Pinkett Smith. All right? She wanted Tupac. She didn't get Tupac. She ended up with Will Smith. Will Smith is great. But, <laughs> right, that's not the one she wanted. And essentially, his, his, Chris Rock theory is that a lot of women are living that life. Like, you're not, the, you're not her first choice. And she settled for you. And that's why she's always pissed off at you. <laughs> well, and, and that it, goes to the standard well, conversation can, that that guy's talking about. And why they, you know, they, they, sometimes they got to settle. And they got to, you know, settle well, for something and, that's outside of the it certainly has changed in the, in the last, you know, generation. Because back, back 
you know, as, as women were gaining more and more rights, but it used to be guys, women were just looking for a steady take what earner, I, yeah, take a what steady you earner who <laughs> wasn't too terrible, right? I mean, that's kind of what you're looking Don't for. Don't abuse me. Now it's flipped all the way back the other way, and it's like they're being way too picky. Like, yeah, yeah you know how many people actually exist that you're talking about? <laughs> Single make more than 100K. Seriously. Uh, you know, uh, all agree. the things they're looking for. They're not, they're not a lot of those guys. Got the six-pack working. Yeah. Got all that. Yeah, yeah. Full head of hair, all that. No, with you. I think they weigh – standards are way too high. I agree. Because well, there's, there's, there's one of the researchers that does the couples there was like, you know, there are a lot more <coughs> – excuse me. <coughs> there are this many women looking for that guy, and there's only – a very small amount of that guy. Oh, there are some so. countries dealing with that right now. I want to say uh, Japan is dealt is dealing with some some of that, and like China's dealing with some of that. Where basically there are they, they there are way too many eligible men, and the women are basically only choosing like a small percentage and group of men, and they have access to all the women. Because all the women, like you said, they only want men who are making this much and men who have this type of status, and all the other men are well, considered that's why, subpar. That's why dating apps don't work because it ends up being all men and you all, and no women. And you have to lie on there to be. If you're a man, you're lying because you're like, well, I make this much. <laughs> and, it's all about gotta, confidence. I, I, it's all about confidence. That's all it is. Thank you, Todd. You I don't disagree with that. That's, but that's why I I prefer old school methods because I am a confident guy. And yeah, I mean, I may if I hit on ten women. I may only, you know, get numbers and get digits from three or four of them, but that's fine. I mean, that's hitting 300. I'm good with that. Um, and that, so it goes to point. I can do that, but that's not the new school method of meeting women and meeting people. It is the dating apps. So you got, it's hard to, you know, purvey that kind of a confidence on a dating app. Well, and yeah. I would take your Cowboys theory, and I'll defend Cowboys fans in this, is that, you know, they know what it looks like when you draft Prince Charming, when you take Troy Aikman number one and what that can lead to. Uh, and when you hire a great coach, that's true. Uh, I think Cowboy fans feel like they're settling at coach and quarterback. Okay, over Fair. and over and over and over because of the owner. Fair. They always settle at coach and quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're getting, uh, and they look around the league and they understand. You know, we don't hate Dak, but if we drafted a quarterback in the top, you know, top of the rounds, if we take in a high pick on a quarterback, do we hire the best coach or do we hire a coach that can tolerate Jerry Jones? Mm-hmm. So the fans are double. You know, settling. I agree. And they know that that's frustrating, and it's what's, you know, Jerry and those things are what's leading to the lack of championships and even contending for championships. So uh, I agree. I I don't think it's about Dak as much as the fans are just, you know, they've seen it when it's good. They're tired of settling. Yeah. 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 And they, trust me, that's I agree. And I think that's why your woman might be in a bad mood. Maybe she settled on you. Yeah. <laughs> Ask your woman. If she's mad, I'm like, baby, did you settle on me? Why are you mad at me? I ain't do nothing. I'm doing my best around here. Why don't we call up the guy you really want and see how he's doing? <laughs> exactly. Hey, Dion, bring you know, him we, over. Tupac's dead, Jada. Okay. All right. He ain't coming back. Will Smith is right there. All right. He's an A-list celebrity who's very talented. Who just won an Oscar. You should take that. Hey, can right. we go behind the BOC one more time? Texas football uh, Wednesdays are about uh, putting the past behind us. Start looking through the windshield and looking at this opponent. It is the four and five. They are the four and five TCU Horn Frogs. Let's hit it. And they were all asking themselves the same question: What is behind that curtain? All right, let's talk about the TCU Horn Frogs. I, I real, I feel really good about Texas in this matchup with TCU. No matter who the starting quarterback is, and we'll get to that here in a second because I got a question for you here about Quinn and about Malik. Um, But TCU, they have one fatal, tragic flaw as a team. They give the football away. 
My man, uh, Matt Butler, on our Longhorn Blitz podcast said analytically he's been studying different metrics, uh, DVOA, EPA, all these different really advanced metrics that you don't care about. They're just bore you half to death. Uh, but based on all his analytical uh, deep dive, analytical research, he said you can make the argument TCU is the best five-loss team in the country. You could make that argument if you, if you really wanted to uh, based on some of the advanced metrics. And I don't disagree with that, you know, just watching this TCU team because they do have some good skill players on the outside. Uh, they got some twitchy, fast receivers. They can throw the football. Um, they're one of the best uh, passing teams actually in the country. I think they're like top 20 uh, throwing the football in the country. They, their biggest issue is turnovers. And we talked, and we talked about this ad nauseum um, reviewing the Texas K-State game. Texas should have blown out K-State. It should have been a game Texas wins by, you know, three, four touchdowns. So they were up by 20 points at one point in that game, up 17-0 in that game. And what happened when they were up 17-0? Well, three turnovers in a row. You got the interception, you get the turnover on downs, then you get a block punt, and then, oh, man, all of a sudden K-State's back in the game. In a game that should be a blowout victory for Texas, turns into a slobber knocker. Uh, you know, turns into a street fight in the fourth quarter. Why? Turnovers. Whether you're talking about the giveaways, fumbles, and interceptions, whether you're talking about turnover on downs, uh, Sark not taking a point, or whether you're talking about the block kick, uh, block punt, I mean. So either way, that's considered to be a turnover, and that is the great equalizer, I guess. I mean, you can, ha- you can be a much better team than your opponent, but if you're turning the football over, no matter how many statistical areas that you uh, win, you're going to end up in a, in a dogfight and potentially lose that game. And that happened to Texas versus K-State, and it's been happening to TCU all year long. Now, TCU, they don't have the trenches. They don't have uh, the guts on the O-line or the D-line. Um, actually, their D-line, they actually do have an interior D-line that's pretty good. Where they're missing um, real uh, good players on the edges of their defensive lines. As a matter of fact, they're allowing over seven yards per rush on outside zones. And Texas loves to run the outside zones, one of their money plays. Um, so we'll get back to that. Jonathan but, Brooks. Yes, it is, exactly. Uh, Jonathan Brooks, C.J. Baxter, guys are running those outside zone plays. But getting back to TCU and the giveaways, they have the, they have the lowest turnover margin uh, uh, in the Big 12 right now, their worst turnover margin in the Big 12. They also have 15 turnovers. That's the second most turnovers they have in the Big 12. If you go look at their wins and their wins, they got Eight takeaways in their wins, all right? Eight takeaways in their wins, in their losses. They got nine giveaways, right? <laughs> so in their wins, they're taking the football away. They only had six, I believe, six giveaways in their wins. Um, in their losses, uh, they only had uh, one takeaway in their losses. They had nine uh, turnovers total. So their, base, their big issue is they can't take care of the football. They've been really careless with the football, and essentially they've given away games, this season as a result. So if you're a Texas in this matchup, your number one priority is to turn TCU over. They've been doing it all along. And if they don't turn the football over against Texas, this game may actually end up being a little closer than Longhorn fans want it to be. I think the two main factors for Texas, two main advantages for Texas, is going to be their ability to take care of the football and turnover margin. Now with a young quarterback like Malik Murphy, you know, giving away the football, he's got four turnovers in his first two starts. That is something that if you're Sark, you got to see that trend uh, change a little bit. You got to see him reverse that trend and start taking better care of the football. So I think that's the biggest factor. I just gave you the numbers on TCU, and the second biggest factor will be 
lines of scrimmage because Texas has a huge advantage on the lines of scrimmage, especially when it comes to the the run game and the TCU rush defense. So, like I said, t- t- TCU is you know struggling a little bit on the edges defensively. <clears throat> Texas averaging uh, Texas, excuse me, um, is a big uh, outside zone team, and TCU is giving up and allowing over seven yards per rush on the outside zone. That's something to keep in mind. I wonder if Sark, who isn't a pat, who is who is usually a pass first guy will come into this game, Ian, be more of a run-first guy. I think the pass-first, um, really the pass-first affinity for Sark is all about his, his you know, years as a quarterback and it relates to his ability, you know, to, to be, you know, he wants to be aggressive and as a play caller he wants to be creative and he wants to be innovative and he can do that through the passing game. For him, I, I think he sees the running game as kind of dull and uh, almost a little, you know, the uh, – for him, like you said, you call it meat and potatoes. But for Sark, I think he believes that it, it puts the offense in almost a lull um, to just run the football and run it and run it, even though against TCU that would probably be the best route and the best course of action, the safest, I should say, course of action. Um, but I don't know if that's what Sark's going to do. It's not really in his nature. He likes to throw the football to open up the run. We'll see if he does that on the road, potentially with a backup quarterback. Well, I think the question for Sark's going to be, you know, it's an interesting one. You know, if Quinn yours is willing to go, and he's 75%, and you're Sark, do you start, or even 80%, do you start a 75% Quinn who's more likely to not turn the ball over and run your offense, or do you start 100% Malik? Uh, Well, I would also say that Malik has missed some practice time, according to a lot of reports, and maybe he's not 100% either. We don't know. Uh, We're not sure. They don't say much about that, but that'll be the decision for him. Uh, Sonny Dykes was uh, at his media availability yesterday, uh, said this about Texas, and it goes exactly what you just said, which is true. Says uh, the the biggest difference between this year's Texas team is the way they're built. Texas teams in the last decade have probably not been as strong as this team is up front on both lines of scrimmage. I think the strength of this team is both lines. Typically, when you have teams that you can say that about, that's a good football team. Yeah, Uh, and I agree with that. And he knows they're they're you know they're going to have to do some things against that line of scrimmage. And you know, banging your head against the ball in the run game is probably not a good one. Uh, but then he's got a conundrum, too, because he's got a quarterback that's, you know, you feel like they're a pass-first team and that can take advantage of Texas, but they're also turnover-prone. I mean, uh, Josh Hoover uh, has thrown 11 touchdowns, but he's thrown 10 picks. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those feast or famine. I mean, how do you attack this team? If you can feel like you're going to get a turnover-free night from your quarterback, turn them loose. Same time, you might want to be careful because Texas has been opportunistic as well and can force turnovers. Michael Taff has won in three straight games. Um, you know, they can get after you in a lot of different ways. So, uh, interesting game coming up on Saturday. Should be Longhorns are favored by 10 on the road. Yep. I think, you know, can they play, can TCU play inside of that? The one thing I would say is they've had extra time. They've had since that Thursday game, mm-hmm. uh, when they lost at tech and, uh, it's their Super Bowl. Uh, it's the consummate trap game. It's a team that's got nothing to lose and a team that can kind of make their season. If they could find a way to derail Texas's in their final meeting, maybe for maybe forever. Uh, we don't know. So good stuff on uh, TCU there. Also, Rod, there is a uh, report out there uh, from the West Coast, uh, mm-hmm. a website called We. It's the On Three Sports website. We are SC. All right. We are SC. That cites Texas defense coordinator Pete Kwiatkowski as someone that USC would have interest in to replace Alex Grinch as defensive coordinator. Um, mm, yeah. I mean. <clears throat> this is Scott Schrader at We Are SC. The list includes Jim Leonard at Illinois, who has at Wisconsin, uh, Jim Knowles at Ohio State, Pete Kwiatkowski, DJ Durkin, A&M, Trent Bay, Oregon State. 
Trent uh, Bray. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's USC, so they'll be able to pay top dollar. Texas paying PK with $2 million. 1.8, 1.7 yeah. mil. So he's probably getting $2 million in perks and stuff like that. They'd have to beat that. And Texas, the no uh, state tax thing is going to help out Texas there, too. PK's already got things established here. Got So uh, they're going to pull PK from Texas. It'll take a hell of an offer. It would be, uh, and uh, it wouldn't be till the season's over. Yeah, and they, they, trust me, USC can make that kind of offer, uh, but it would take a hell of an offer. And something tells me right now PK's uh, he's comfortable where he's at, but if he decides to leave, that's fine. I'm sure Sark has a list of guys, and so Gary Patterson's probably at the top of that list. Um, now, Gary Patterson, I think, wants to be a head coach again and, you know, being a coordinator for a year or two while you get back on your feet, and GP knows the personnel, he knows the players, he knows the coaches, he knows the culture around there, he knows CDC. So I think GP, if PK decides to take that job, that would be the next name that would come up. Um, then after GP, if GP doesn't want it, then things would get pretty interesting. I'm not sure. Texas would be able to get a good coach, I'm oh. sure. But who would be the ideal fit there? I don't know because GP, that's perfect for, for a season or two because I think he wants to be head coach again. Yeah, that's I the thing. How much demand? And remember, there were some head coaching opportunities for GP last offseason. Yeah, he's waiting on the right one. He's got it. He Correct. Can, yeah, and, and I, will it come? Yeah. Uh, I would also add this, according to this report. I did not know this, but uh, the new AD at uh, USC is Jen Cohen. She was with Pete Kwiatkowski when the two were together at Washington. Okay. And according to this story, USC and maybe even Jen Cohen herself has already reached out to the PK camp. Okay. So keep I an can eye see on that. that. Yeah, I can see that. But, uh, like I said, it's uh, – And he yeah. is kind of a West Coast, more West Coast guy than a Texas. He is a West Coast, Coast guy. Texas. I can see that, too. Hey, and, man. But I would ask this. Do you yeah, want to like, coach for Lincoln Riley? Because I think a big part of – because Lincoln wasn't like Mike Stoops was any better uh, before. Uh, I, I think that there's a there's – a, you know, I think coaches would tell you this, too. Part of their problem is Lincoln Riley, that he just doesn't have a physical practice regimen. They don't practice physical. It's hard to be a physical program if you're not physical. And I don't know that it's just Alex Grinch. Alex Grinch was not good. But at the same time, it, it goes to the head coach, too. He's the only D.C. that Lincoln Riley's had, though, is Alex Grinch. So, well, remember, when he got yeah. there, Mike Stoops was – when Bob yeah, Stoops handled the Bob, job. those were Bob Stoops, though, in terms of the guys that he chose. Alex Grinch is the only guy that he's chosen. It's been his D.C. Yeah, but he brought in uh, – what's his name? The, the former T- T- Texas Tech defensive coordinator who was with him at East Carolina, who actually hired him at East Carolina. He brought in uh, – what was that? Uh, black guy, great guy, great, good coach, real good coach. Oh, yes, yes, And he brought yes. him in to help help Mike I, Stoops. Yep, I can't remember who you're talking about. I can't think of his name, though. Yeah, and then he, yeah. then when that thing Ruffin, fell, yeah, Ruffin McNeil, Ruffin McNeil, Ruffin McNeil yeah. was yeah. they were together at Texas Tech, mm-hmm. and then when he, he and Ruffin McNeil got the head coaching job at East Carolina, that's who hired Lincoln Riley, yeah. and that's then Lincoln Riley's star yes. began to rise, and yeah. Oklahoma hired him, then he brought in Ruffin McNeil, uh, when Mike, yeah, you know, it was to help Mike Stoops, and then Mike Stoops was out, Ruffin stayed, yeah, and then right. he went and got Alex Grinch, yeah. So what, I don't know what Ruffin McNeil's doing now, actually. Somebody said hire Dave Aranda once he's fired. Yeah, tell if you're if you're yeah, Sark, if you're Sark. Great, honestly, that's a great. Honestly, Lincoln Riley might be thinking the same thing. You're right about that's that. That's a great point. I've thought about that. The truth is, we have not seen in true air raid offense win a national title since Bob Stoops brought it in. Remember, Bob Stoops was the head coach. Bob Stoops, he was the head coach and not the, the coordinator. So and he was a defensive guy. He was a defensive guy. So you had concepts of the air raid. You had parts of it, but it wasn't the overall – the team wasn't indoctrinated in it, right? It wasn't a religion. And that's what Graham Harrell described it. All these air raid disciples, they treat the air raid like a religion. So they're all in. Every phase, every Stoops part of the organization. Yeah, and Stoops was a he was actually a defense. 
defensive coordinator. Like you said, he brought the air raid with him, all right, to Oklahoma, but it wasn't, like I said, the, the whole organization wasn't entrenched in it. It wasn't something that was interwoven into the fabric of the organization. It was just a part, a phase of the game for him. That's why when these disciples of the air raid decide that they want to build and construct their own organization and roster to win championships, it doesn't work because all of the different phases and all the parts of the organization are are like, I don't know, infected, if you will, with the air raid virus. Yeah, you have to have separation. You do. Bob yeah. Seuss was the best. And that's he was a good the best. Point. He came as a – you know, he got the Oklahoma job based as the, the top defensive coach in the country. Uh, Texas wanted to hire him before yeah. Oklahoma did. Hey, we'll come back. We'll hit some what's popping. Uh, Ty will have his Sex Panther pick of the night. Get you off into your Wednesday. It's Hook him Up with Ian Rodby. What's poppin'? Who you Brand new whip, just hopped I got options. I can pass that flight stocking. All right, what's poppin' time? time? It's uh, final segment on a Friday. To wrap up the fabulous fifth hour in our five-hour sports conversation this morning. Uh, what's poppin' will be plenty of NBA tonight because last night they didn't have any NBA. They took the day off for the election, which is a new um, point of emphasis and a smart one at that. Everybody get out and vote, do their civic duty. Uh, Spurs do play tonight. Wemby Mania takes Manhattan. They'll be playing at New York's uh, Madison Square Garden. Knicks and Spurs tonight. You can imagine that'll get a lot of uh, media attention. Wemby in the Big Apple for the first time. Yeah, you should get uh, – companies should give you time off to go vote. Sure. Takes time. Yeah. Stand in line, That's all right. that, especially if you, you know, depending on where you're – Lines weren't that long yesterday, <clears throat> I will tell you that. Uh, yeah, but still, I think it's a good idea. I'm glad the NBA is doing it. I think more companies should do it. Yeah. National or regional. Oh, it's a great idea. Yeah, local elections, whatever. Of course, during the, the you know, the – Black Lives Matter and COVID and all that. There was uh, the the the, the brushback and uh, you know I mean if you're in a you know walk a walk vote the vote. You know yeah. what I'm saying I'd like exactly. to see uh, how Spurs. many of them actually voted though. Let's see the that numbers. would be that's yeah that would be interesting. Cause I wonder if the NBA keeps up with it. I wonder if they actually keep up with how many yeah, guys voted. Or they allowed get, to do that. Get the time off. You know what I mean. It's your, it's your vote. Uh, do it with it what you no, will. No, yeah, but the, the time off is to vote. You ain't got to say who you're voting for. But that you voted. Right. Like, literally, get the sticker, I voted. Like, yeah. you get the sticker, and I'm like, oh, I, got, I voted. So, I'm not saying, yeah, I don't want to know who you voted for. You either, either got to go vote or come to practice <laughs> that day. Yeah, you, can't, says, just, yeah, you yeah. can't just use the time to go do what the hell you want to do. It's like, the time is to go vote. Correct. And, yeah, it's your civic duty. If you're not doing that. But are you allowed to track that as a, as an order, as a company? I don't know. I mean, may, if somebody went to vote, I think you can track that. Like, that's why I'm giving you the time off. Yeah. I, I don't want to know who you voted for. That's your business. But are you going to vote? Then I'll give you time off. Yeah, you if not, then come to work. <laughs> Spurs Knicks tonight from Gotham. Also, the Rockets will host the Lakers tonight. So, LeBron down in Houston against Ime uh, Udoka's squad. Mavericks off to that uh, 6-1 start. They'll play Toronto tonight. So, all three Texas teams in action. So, that's kind of poppy. And, yeah, I know you can expect the uh, the major news networks to be covering the Wemby trip into New York. That'll be a oh, fairly yeah. big Wemby deal. Wemby in the Big Apple? Yeah. <laughs> Come on now. Also, uh, not as big, uh, Mac Attack. Mac, Mac action tonight, Rod. Oh, what's the matching? Oh, Akron U, the Zips at Miami of Ohio down in Oxford. Mm. Bowling Greens at Kent State at Dixie at Dick Stadium. That's called Dick's. D-I-X. It's a bad name for a stadium. That is a terrible name for a stadium. You Dick's want to rename Stadium, it? though. Come Somebody on. paid big dollars for that. I guess the Dick's family, I'm assuming. The Dick's, yeah. <laughs> Gosh, a bunch of Dick's. That, the Dick's family. The in Dick's Kent, family. Ohio. And then Eastern Michigan is at Toledo tonight at the Glass Bowl. So those are your three matching games. Ty, do you have a Sex Panther popular pick of the night? What are we feeling? I'll take the Detroit Pistons plus 12 against Milwaukee tonight. Ooh, where's this coming? Money wow. percentage. 
Straight money percentage bet. Huh? Straight money percentage bet. What I'm, I'm, so all the money's on uh, Giannis and Dame Lillard, and you're going the opposite way. 37% of the bet is on Detroit, but 89% of the money is on Detroit. So somebody knows something is what I'm thinking. Oh, the Sharps. I like that. That's good. That's a good little nugget there. I, I bet Dame or Giannis so doesn't plus 12 play. And a half? Yeah, 12, 12. Hmm. Yeah, there's insider knowledge in Vegas that like somebody's that. not playing. That's good. They didn't vote, dang it. <laughs> 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 All right, Rod B. We'll do it tomorrow again tomorrow. Yes, sir. I'll leave the light on for you. Same time. Come on same in channel. at uh, five fifty-five, and we'll do this again at six a.m. on a Thursday. That'll make it uh, good. We'll, we'll have all our normal Thursday fun. Also, recap. Uh, well, we'll be previewing that Bears Carolina game. That's going to be a lot of fun in the NFL on a Thursday <laughs> night. But more on Texas TCU college football weekend. See if Ty does well on his Sex Panther pick of the night. Watch all the games. Also, Texas women's basketball opening their season tonight with Vic Schaefer's squad. They're going to open with the Big 12's Conference Player of the Year, Rory Harmon. They're going to play Southern tonight over at Moody Center, so we'll go check that out. We'll mention it tomorrow. All right, everybody, have a good Wednesday. If you missed any part of our show, including Nick Shuley and the live uh, the Setlist ATX, and thanks to Woody Englander, Englander from the Comfort Crew, uh, all of that podcast at hornfm.com. Rod, have a good one. You too, brother. Ty, have a good one. Good time, Ty. Good job, buddy. Hook them up. Hi, this is Tom McKay with Audiovisual Consultations. 